Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. privilege we have to gather together in his name and receive. Amen. And to have this time together this week that God chose this time for us to set aside these days, these six days of faith, which have turned into, if you count our Sundays, we've, we've benefited even more than the six. Amen. Sunday to Sunday, faith and, and strengthening in that faith, amen? And um, tonight, I want to, if I could unpause where I was and uh, pick up in my assignment for this evening because um, the Lord specifically dealt with me about the saying and the praying. And so just a quick revisit of the scriptures that we benefited from uh, previously and even throughout this session we've been able to uh, piggyback on on each other's scriptures. Second Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 13 identifies how the spirit of faith operates and because you and I are those who also uh, are recipients of the spirit of faith we want to know the operation and become skilled in the operation. And that's why we're here. I believe that uh, I had uh, Brother Solomon approached me, I think it was last night, and he made the statement that these days have been like a reset. And I thought that, that, or that resonated in my spirit. This is like a reset to our faith. And so 2 Corinthians 4.13 says, We having the same spirit of faith, According as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. So faith, the two components we see here in the operation of faith is not just the believing, but the believing and the speaking. The believing and the speaking. We have the same spirit of faith, therefore... Because of that, as a result, we believe and we speak. And we took a moment to look at Romans chapter 10, and we specifically identified that with the heart man believes, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. There is a specific believing with the heart, and then there is a specific declaration with the mouth. And with the heart, man believes unto right standing, or in other words, provides the faith that is an acceptable transaction amount. Faith has a transaction value. Charles Capps made the statement, faith is of the same value as the thing hoped for. Faith is of the same value as the thing hoped for. Hallelujah. So... If you are believing for a, a, a specific promise, if you are standing on a specific provision of the Word of God, you have that scripture, you put it in your heart, it is providing the faith that gives you the right to receive it. Faith, it says, with the heart man believes unto righteousness, but we found out we can't leave the store without a receipt. We can't just pick it up off the rack and say, hey... This, I, I have the money in the bank. The believing is the money, the faith in the heart, if you will. The transaction necessary, it's in my heart, but I haven't made the transaction. Just because I have enough money in the bank to, to purchase that item, I have to make a transaction that has a receipt attachment to it. And when I make a declaration, my faith now has a word imprint 
that gives evidence in the spirit realm that I have made the transaction, the appropriate transaction to bring that into my possession and now I am, I am authorized to receive it. I believe with the heart unto righteousness but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And so we also want to revisit Mark 11. And as we go to Mark 11, I want to remind us something that the Spirit of the Lord spoke to uh, and through Brother Hagen back in 1974. And you can find this prophecy online. It's referred to as the Longmont Prophecy, uh, October 1st, 1974. And this is the specific part I wanted to look at in it. He said, uh, he was talking about in the last days, and he said two things shall shortly be made manifest unto the real people of God. I see you. Y'all are the real people of God, right? Two things shall shortly be made manifest unto the real people of God. One is further light and teaching and revelation in the area and realm of healing, physical healing, divine healing. That will be the key that will unlock the chain that has bound so many and they'll never more be the same. And then secondly, he said, there shall come revelation, further light, according to the word concerning the miraculous and the part that faith does play. The part that faith plays in the miraculous. For faith is like the fuse that ignites the dynamite. And when the explosion goes off, all can hear and see. But there was a fuse that had to be lit and faith is the fuse. Faith is the fuse. And then he said this, you will be able to stand and take a blackboard like a teacher teaching mathematics and write out the equation and come up with the right answer. And any man or woman, boy or girl, standing or seated in that congregation will be able to take that equation, translate it into the spirit realm, and their faith. Their faith their faith will ignite the power of God. Their faith. That's right, Brother Buzz, got it. Your faith. That it's not just the faith of the preacher. It's not just the faith of the minister. But the minister is, is enabling every person, young and old. It said man, woman, boy, or girl in that congregation will be able to take that faith equation, take that understanding of how to apply their faith, and their faith will ignite the power of God. And that's why we're here. Amen? Amen. Mark chapter 11, Jesus taught us about faith. He gives us some of the most profound understanding of the application of faith or the how-tos of faith. And he says in verse 23... For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. And so the, the application of faith that we saw from 2 Corinthians 4.13, believing and speaking, is clearly laid out for us in this explanation Jesus gives concerning how to apply our faith. That if we will say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in the heart. And we discussed on the, my previous session, that this is someone who is skilled in the operation of faith. This is somebody who has been working their faith. They've practiced their faith. They are skilled in the operation of faith because to be able to make a command of faith and remain stable and steadfast in that profession of faith, it takes practice. You must be someone who is walking in the spirit and not giving in to the lust of the flesh to be able to work Verse 23, you've got to be someone who is renewing the mind and casting down imaginations to operate. Verse 23, if the first time that we tried to operate it, you may not be as skilled or as proficient, but if you'll keep doing it, 
If you'll keep making the declaration of faith and standing and guarding your heart with all diligence and making sure that you are not doubting in your heart but that you maintain that profession of faith, you will become more skilled and more skilled and more skilled until you're highly developed in faith and it will be something that you'll notice because you'll see the results coming quicker. There was a person who came to Charles Capps one time and he says, you know, I hear you teach on faith. And he said, but I can just make a, a negative declaration. I'm trying to work faith. I'm trying to believe God, but I can just make a declaration that's in the negative and it comes to pass right away. And I can make a declaration about faith and it seems like it takes so long for it to come to pass. And Brother Capps said, that's because you're highly developed in that negative confession. <laughs> And you've got to become highly developed in the positive. And it's, it's like the momentum of a, a locomotive. You can't stop a locomotive on a dime. You can't just decide, I want to stop in the next three feet and stop that locomotive. And when you have been making that negative confession, you're going to have to get that momentum moving in the entire opposite direction. Because if you've been used to saying the negative and you believe that you, you receive it when you say it. If, for instance, I never seem to get ahead. I've got too much month at the end of the money. This always goes wrong for me. If anybody's going to lose my job, it's going to be me. If anybody gets cut, it's going to be me. And people say those things and sometimes they say it as a joke. Sometimes they say it in a way that they're trying to deflect how, how upset they are and they're trying to make a joke, ha ha. But what they're doing is, is confusing their inner man and they are, are sabotaging they, when they get ready to go in prayer and then they go in prayer and they pray something in line with the word and then they go back out and spend the rest of the day talking in line with the circumstance. They're defeating what did they accomplished in their time in prayer. So that's why Jesus said, you've got to believe that those things which you say, not just when you pray, you've got to believe that everything you say comes to pass, that your words have power. And so he says, that person, this person who can say to the mountain, be thou removed, be cast into the sea, not doubt in his heart, maintain that believing with all of their words, the words that I say come to pass, that person will have whatsoever he saith. And so he's given us this application of faith. And then he goes on and he says, therefore. Verse 24 begins with therefore. In light of everything I just explained to you about how faith works, therefore I say unto you what things soever you desire when you pray. Believe that you receive and you shall have. What things you desire when you pray. So verse 23 is talking about the speaking of faith. And verse 24 is talking about using faith in your prayer. Now you can use faith without praying, but you can't pray without faith. Not effectively. Not, not get any prayers answered, right? You can use faith without praying but you can't pray effectively without faith. Faith is necessary for the praying. So Jesus was identifying that there is an application of faith that doesn't have to be inside the vehicle of prayer. But if you want to put faith in the vehicle of prayer and use it in that way, it will work for you too. There are some things that Jesus did not pray about to the Father. But he used his faith. He used the faith of God to speak to the situations. He didn't ask the Father to steal the storm. Jesus said, peace be still. He didn't ask the Father to heal the lame man. He told him to rise up and walk. He didn't ask the Father in a verbal way that we see him saying, Father, please raise Lazarus from the dead. He stood at the tomb, as Pastor showed us in a previous teaching, and said, Lazarus, come forth. He used words to direct his faith in the same way that God has, from the beginning, used words to release his faith. And so the saying part is, 
is something that we need to be skilled in, that we need to prepare ourselves in. Because saying is required to release our faith. We can have faith in the heart. We can believe with the heart. But in order for the the salvation or the rescue or the manifestation of what we're believing for, that's what Romans 10 is talking about, with the mouth confession is made unto manifestation. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation or healing or financial prosperity. With the heart you're believing and you've got money in the bank. But you can have money in the bank and not have what you need if you don't go make the transaction. And so our words prepare a transaction in the spirit realm that imprint a receipt that stands in our our evidence to show I believed and therefore I have spoken. Amen? And so this is what Jesus is talking about, that there is an application of our faith, and it is, it is for every believer. He said, whosoever will say. And so whosoever will take the word and put it in their heart and bring it up out of their mouth. And so I did give a lot of emphasis, and online, go watch it free of charge on our YouTube podcast because we covered a lot about having a fullness of the heart, that if you're not abundant in the heart, those words are not going to be filled with the power of the faith. In order for there to be the, uh, the, the faith-filled words, there needs to first be an abundance in the heart because out of the heart Man speaks what the the heart speaks, what is abundantly stored, but it speaks it out of the mouth. Uh, I want to look uh, again at what pastor visited in Genesis chapter 1. And uh, it may seem elementary, but uh, God didn't think so. He put it in the Bible. And so we don't want to take it lightly, the fact that uh, God so specifically and and clearly outlined for us uh, the the, uh, words that he used to release his faith. And so Genesis chapter 1 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And verse 3 says, And God said. And verse 5 says, And God called. And verse 6 says, And God said. And verse 8 says, And God called. And verse 9 says, and God said. And verse 10 says, and God called. And verse 11, and God said. And verse 14, and God said. And verse 20, and God said. Hallelujah. Verse 22, and God blessed them. Now I mentioned, and Pastor mentioned, and then of course verse 24, and God said. And verse 26, and God said. And verse 28, and God blessed. And we could keep going, right? God said and God called and God blessed. We see three three uses of words that preceded communication. Before God ever attempted to communicate details or, or the plan, He first of all created and secondly it says He called. He created And he arranged. When he called it, he was setting things in position. He was arranging things. He was establishing the way he wanted it to operate. And he did that with his words. And then the third thing that we see is God blessed. And then after that, we see God speaking to man and giving him uh, specifics and details and instructions. But this is the law of first mention. That whenever you see something mentioned in the scriptures, it sets the precedent of how it is to be throughout the scripture. How it is to be interpreted, how it is to be understood throughout the scripture. And so the very first thing God did with words was create. And you are made in his image and in his likeness. And the very, the most important thing you are going to do with your words is create It's create. And secondly, the second most important thing you are to do with your words is you are to establish and put things in order in your life. And then thirdly, you are to bless. 
And those three things should have a greater place of priority in our life than the communication. Amen? Because we are created in God's image. We are the only beings on this planet who can speak words. Parrots can be taught to mimic words, but they don't have the choice of words. They can't use words by choice. Even Satan was not permitted the choice of words. When you see it referred to in Isaiah and Ezekiel when it's, God says, I, I kicked him out of heaven, Satan said, I will exalt my throne above God's throne. And God said, your words don't work. I didn't give you the power to call things that be not as though they were. What was he trying to do? I will exalt my throne above God's throne. What was he trying to do? He was trying to call it. But God said, I didn't give you that power. But he gave you that power. And he gave you that power. And he gave you that power. And he gave me that power. He gave us that power. That we can call things. And then he not only did that, but he gave us his words to use. We're not limited in what words we can come up with. He gave us the words that are already loaded. There's not a blank in this package. You're not going to find a blank bullet here. Every bullet in this book is a loaded bullet. It will produce what you send it to produce. It will accomplish what you apply it to. Amen? And he authorized us to use this system to bring to pass his will in our life. John chapter 1 and, and these are some basic things, but again, this is uh, uh, establishing some of these foundational truths in our life. John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word. We just saw that, didn't we? We saw in Genesis chapter 1 the Word that we know today as Jesus. But before Jesus had a flesh and blood and bone body, he existed as the Word. Jesus has always existed with the Father, but he didn't always have a body as we know him to have today. He always existed as the Word, in the form of the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and uh, uh, the same was in the beginning with God. All things, all things, all things, the air you breathe, the earth you're standing on, the sky above your head, the oceans, the trees, all things were made by the Word. All things were made by the Word. What do you need? What do you need in your life? It was made by the Word. It will respond to the Word because everything that exists in this planet was made by the Word. All things were made by the Word and without the Word there was not anything made that was made. In the Word is life and the life is the light of men. Verse 14, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Before Jesus had a human body, He existed as the Word. And the book of Revelation identifies that when He comes to receive us on the white horse, He will have on His vesture written the Word of God. Amen? He's still the Word of God. He's the Word made flesh. And when you take the Word into your situation and you put it in your heart and you bring it forth out of your mouth and release the power of that Word, you have brought Jesus on the scene. And that's why Romans 10 says, you don't need to say, will Jesus come down and fix this situation? Will, will, will He come up and raise this situation? If I have the Word near me, even in my mouth and in my heart... If I have the Word, I have Him on the scene. He is present and available to help me. And the way He does so is with His Word. 
You cannot separate God from his word. How many times have you heard Pastor Steele tell us that? You cannot separate God from his word. It's impossible. Hallelujah. Tag your it. Come on. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. How are they one? God breathed him. Amen? Jesus is the word. And so when we recognize the word and then we recognize its operation, Hebrews 11.3, you faith builders should know this one, but I do want you to turn to it and look at it. Hebrews 11.3, through faith, the worlds were framed by the word of God. One translation, I think I found a translation that says, we understand that it was through faith the worlds were framed by the word of God. You do know God's a faith God. And the faith we have is his faith. My faith isn't a generic always saved brand. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. He didn't give me the little, the little cheap version. Let me give her, let me give, yeah, let me give just, just this, the cheap because we got to spread it around, you know. So everybody gets a, a low-grade faith. And if, you, if you've got an important assignment, then we'll give you a, a name-brand faith. You've got 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 God's faith. Have the faith of God. Is that what 22 of Mark 11 said? Have the faith of God. Have the God kind of faith. Operate the faith of God. Use the faith of God. Uh, uh, put the faith of God to work. So we have God's faith and faith framed the world by the word. God used his faith to frame the world by his word. Remember what I said, the first create, the first assignment of our words is to create. What are you creating with your words? Number two, what are you putting in order? If there's any chaos in your life, you have words to put it in order. If there's anything out of order, if you look at the word and you say, that's not happening in my life right now. I, I should have that, but I don't have that in my physical body or I don't have that operating in my finances. You have something that God has supplied here in the application of faith with words to put it in order. Through faith, we understand the worlds were framed. I'm going to read the Weiss translation. It says in the Weiss of that phrase, framed by the word of God, equipped and fitted by God's word for the purpose for which they were intended. Equipped and fitted so we can take God's word and equip our lives. We can take God's word and put things in order. The definition of this word from the original language means to complete thoroughly. To complete thoroughly. If there are areas of your life that are incomplete, the word will complete them. But we'll, we will have to follow the same method that God did and use his words with the faith to apply them. Equip, and it also means to arrange or to put in order. To arrange or put in order. So when you begin to see the, the purpose of our words, you will never again, and, and for those of you who are submitted to the teachings of this house, I implore you, I implore you, please take this out of your vocabulary completely. I'm just saying. Never say that again. Because I'm never just saying. This is one of the most important tools God has provided for us, our ability to call things that be not as though they were. He has made us speaking spirits like him. He has given us the authority of words. I'm never just saying. If I'm saying, I'm saying something. If I say it, 
It's because I'm training myself to believe what I say and expect what I say to come to pass. I'm never just saying because what that is doing is taking and making casual what is one of the most important aspects of the believer's life. Amen? Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah chapter 1. Let's look at verse 7. Oh, let's start in verse 6. This is Jeremiah's testimony. He said in verse 6, Then I said, O Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child. For you shall go to all that I shall send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out, to pull down, to destroy, to throw down, to build, and to plant. How is he to do all that? That's impressive. He wants him to root out, to pull down, destroy, throw down, to build and to plant. How is he going to do that? God said, I put my words in your mouth. And this is what you're going to be capable of accomplishing with my words in your mouth. I'm going to set you over the nations. I'm going to authorize you to have such an influence through the power of your words, my words in your mouth. When you look in this verse 7, for instance, it says that the Lord reprimanded him. And he said, don't say that. Don't say I am a child. And this word say, when it says say not, it is a word that means to bring to light, to bear forth. And it includes to say it to yourself. He said, I don't want you giving birth to that. I don't want you bearing forth that. I don't want you bringing that to light. I don't want you to, to meditate on that. I don't want you to think that in yourself. And I don't want you to let it come out of your mouth. Because if you think about something long enough, it will get in your mouth. And that's why he said, meditate in my word day and night. And you'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of living water. Right. That your leaf will not wither. Yeah. Hallelujah. Whatever you put your hand to will prosper. Hallelujah. Meditate in my word. Meditate in my word. And your way will be prosperous. So he wants us to meditate on his word. He wants us to give focus to his word because there are things he doesn't want for the enemy to get looping in our mind, us meditating on the wrong thing, and it end up in our mouth. And there was something Jeremiah was bringing forth that God had to correct him. I don't want you to bring that forth. I don't want you to bring that to the light. He said, Whatever I command you, you will speak. This is a different word. And it is the word debar. The word debar. And it means to declare, to command, to arrange, and to subdue. It comes from the root word in the Hebrew language that means setting in a row or arranging in order. Setting it in a row or arranging it in order. He said, whatever I command you, you will arrange it. You will subdue it. You will declare it. And as you declare it, it will set that problem in line. It will take that problem out of the chaos orbit that it's been in, and it will set it in line with my will. He said, you can't, Say, I am a child and accomplish what I want you to accomplish with words. You're going to have to say things that are in line with what I'm saying. You remember Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5 says, The Lord has said, I will never leave you, I'll never forsake you, so that you may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I shall not fear what man will do unto me. The Lord has said... 
so that you will boldly say. The Lord has said so that you will boldly say. So when Jeremiah said, I cannot speak, I, I cannot debar, I am just a child, God said, don't say that. Don't even say it inside your own heart. Don't even think that way. Don't even give mind attention, real estate out of your mind to that thought because whatever I command you, you will set it in order. You will bring it forth out of your mouth and you will arrange it in your life. And then he said this. He said in verse 9, The Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth and the Lord said unto me behold I put my words and this word words is the noun form of debar the noun form the other is the verb this is the noun of the same word and it means it means of course word matter a cause a purpose a proposed plan Something to be done. God says, what I'm going to get done, I'm going to put it in your mouth and you are going to bring it to pass by uttering it out of your mouth. This is God's plan for us. God doesn't want us waiting on Him. God doesn't want us sitting back saying, someday. The Lord's going to make a way with it. Someday. I'm just waiting. I'm just holding on. I'm holding on. God says, don't be holding on. Start talking. Start saying something about this. I need you to set some things in order and you're my mouthpiece. Your, your mouth is going to be employed in your breakthrough. Your mouth is going to be a participant in God's glory and God's power because he's going to use your words to light the fuse. He's going to use your faith and your faith-filled words to change and order and subdue the situation. So he says here, I have put my words in your mouth. And in verse 12, God had asked uh, Jeremiah a question in verse 11. And he said, what do you see? And Jeremiah in verse 11 said, the Amplified, he said, I see the emblem of alertness and activity. We see the rod of an almond tree. It represents, uh, so it represents alertness and activity. And God said, you have seen well because I am alert and I am active watching over my word to perform it. But he's not watching over this word as much as he's watching over this one. He's watching over in your life. In your business, in your finances, in your health, this is the word that God is looking for. Where he put it in your mouth. Where the word is near you even in your mouth and in your heart. In your mouth. In your mouth. It is in a position to change things. You can't rip the page out of the Bible and walk into a hospital room and lay the page on somebody's body and, and affect change in their body. You have to have it in your heart and bring it out of your mouth to affect change in their body. And the same is true about our finances, about our future. We have to have it in our heart and then we have to have it to a fullness so that it begins to bubble up out of our lips and we begin to speak it into the situation and arrange it. Through faith, the worlds were framed by the Word of God. Through faith, the worlds were framed by the Word of God. Through faith, Kevin's world was framed by the Word of God. Through faith, Sarah's world was framed by the Word of God. You and I are responsible to employ God's world, Word to frame our world. Amen? And so he says, I've put my word in your mouth. I've put my debar, my promise, my cause, my proposed plan, something to be done. I've put it in your mouth. And then I am alert and active, watching over that word I've put in your mouth. And I will bring it to pass. I will bring it to pass. If it's in your mouth, I will bring it to pass. Amen. So we're not going to be able to come to God and, and pull up the scripture and say, but God, you didn't do this. He's, he's going to say, I did it for everybody who put it in their mouth. I put it for everybody who mixed faith with it. Amen? Amen. 
Hallelujah. Joel chapter 3. Joel chapter 3. Let's look at verse 10. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. <laughs> Come on. Let the weak say. So the weak aren't supposed to say, I'm weak. They're not supposed to tell everybody, y'all pray for me. Because I've been really weak this week. I've been really weak this month. I've been, I've been feeling kind of... No, he didn't say to make that your testimony. He didn't say to make that your prayer request. He said, if, the, if you take that and you turn it, you arrange it, you subdue it, you set it in order, you frame it with, with, a, with a, a saying that's going to line up with what I say about you, you let the weak say, I am strong. I am strong. Hallelujah. So we've got to recognize that our words are intended to set things in order. Just like God created and He called. There are some things that my words are supposed to create. And there are some things my words are supposed to put in order with the Word of God. I go to the Word and I find out what it should look like. I find out what my, the area of my life should look like. And then I take His Word and I make my life get in order with what this says. I'm arranging it. I'm subduing it. And you know, the curse is a trespasser. Have y'all ever seen a thief knock on your door and ask you if this month would be a good month if they could rob from you? Heavens, no. The, the, the trespasser is going to sneak in. The, the curse is a trespasser. It doesn't ask for permission to steal from you. It doesn't ask for permission to inconvenience you. It doesn't ask for permission to attack your life. And that's why we've got to have the shield of faith. Through the shield of faith, we can quench every fiery dart of the wicked one. It says, above all, above all, having the shield of faith over all of your life, you can, you can stand you can stand and you can quench every attack that the enemy can launch against you. Do you see that faith isn't just a receiving, faith is a resisting. There is an application of faith that resists the things of the curse and the things of the enemy. And that application of faith is what we're looking at here in the framing of the world. Calling it. God, God created it. And then he put it in order. He created it and then he arranged it in the way it should operate. This is where the ocean is going to stop. This is, where the, this is how the orbit is going to be. I'm going to call this light uh, day and I'm going to call this night and I'm going to arrange uh, the seasons. And he set order. And that's why he has established his word in our lives so that we can set order in our life. I am strong. I am what God says I am. Amen? I am more than a conqueror through Him who loves me. I am an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. I am always going over and never going under. I am the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. Hallelujah. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. No weapon formed against me shall be able to prosper. Every tongue that shall rise against me in judgment, I will prove it to be wrong. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and his, my righteousness is of him. Hallelujah. I'm establishing it. I'm setting that in order in my life. Hallelujah. James chapter 3. James chapter 3. Let's begin in verse 3. Oh my. Verse 2. Forgive me. 
For in many things we offend, stumble, or cause to stumble, is the definition of that word. In many things we offend all. If any man or woman offend not in word, if any man doesn't stumble in word, the same is a perfect man. We've talked a lot about that word perfect as we have studied for the last few months about the maturity of the believer. That the word perfect means mature or well-developed. It is talking about a process that goes from beginning to the end. And this perfect man is one who has gone through that maturing and that developing and come to a completion in that process. And it says, if you can govern your words and you can use your words effectively, you are a well-developed, mature believer and able also to bridle the whole body. To bridle the whole body. Behold... We put bits in the horse's mouths that they may obey us. This is the emphasis that the scripture is giving for the purpose of the bit in the mouth of the horse. Obey me. If any man will speak to the mountain, be thou removed, it will obey them. Is that what Matthew 21 when Jesus was giving that same example of speaking to the mountain, he said, if you had faith, you would say to this mountain, be thou removed, and it would obey you. So the purpose of the bit in the mouth is to make that situation or that horse obey us. And with the bit in the mouth of the horse, you can turn the horse. With the bit in the mouth, you can turn the horse. And then he uses another example, a ship. He said, look at the ships and look how, how great they are. Look at the size of the ship. So we're talking about the size of the horse compared to the size of the bit, the size of the ship compared to the size of the rudder. Do you see? He's saying something that looks little and something that looks insignificant is able to affect great change in both of these situations, something that you wouldn't look at the rudder and say, I'm so impressed with that rudder. Woo, look at that rudder! Hey, I got a rudder. Oh, man, look at that bit. Look at that bit in that horse. You don't even see the bit in the horse's mouth. You're not impressed with the bit. Nobody's impressed with the bit. They want to watch how the horse rides. They want to see how the ship sails. They don't want to look at the rudder. They don't want to look at the bit. But whoever is steering wants to know the rudder is working. Whoever is, is directing that horse wants to know this horse is going to obey me. I was filming this week and I used an example of a horse that we used to have called Hadassah. And, and Hadassah... I think originally they meant for me to have Hadassah, but Hadassah, she was hard-headed. And she had been evidently uh, uh, mistreated or somebody didn't train her right when they had her, uh, you know, from the beginning when you first break in the horse. Because when you tried to stop her, she just went and pulled against everything. And so it wore me out to try to ride her. So I ended up with Hunter and he got Hadassah. <laughs> And he rode her on the fence, you know. He was riding her on the fence because she get to a certain place, he could make her turn. And so, so the muscles over here had to steer Hadassah because she was not steerable. Now, Hunter, he, he, was, he was easier to, to direct. He was... And knew how to control the mouth. So Pastor knew how to control her mouth. And he, he did it in a way that he didn't even have to use. I think you ended up putting a halter on her because she was, the bit, she evidently had been hurt with a heavy bit before. And so he ended up having to, to you know, work with her and he learned how to control her mouth. And, and so the thing that we have to recognize is the purpose is the turn. The purpose is to the change. The purpose is to affect change in this situation. How am I going to affect change? I have to be knowledgeable how, what, what bit to use. 
I have to be knowledgeable how to use that rudder. I have to be knowledgeable how to turn the situation, not impressed with the bigness of the ship, but more impressed with how does the rudder work. Not impressed with the grandeur of the animal, but how do you move the animal? How do you get that animal to respond? How, so I need to know how the bit in the mouth is going to work. And so God has used both of these examples to tell us, it says in verse 3, so that they may obey us and we turn them. Verse 4, it says that these ships, even though they are so large, so great, and they are driven of fierce winds, things outside of your control, things that are, are situations and circumstances that try to drive things in your life a certain way, that doesn't mean you have to put up with it if you know how to use the rudder. You don't have to just compromise with the situation because this situation is out of my control. No, it's, I've got the rudder. I've got a hold of the rudder. And if I know I can sail against the winds, I, if, I'm, if I'm skilled in how to steer my ship, if I'm skilled in the use of the rudder, I can turn it no matter how the winds are driving. I can turn it no matter how heavy the horse is if I know how to control the mount. Do you see how you're going to frame your world by the word of God? How you're going to arrange some things, how you're going to subdue some things, how you're going to put some things in order, set them in the row. Amen? And then he goes on and he says this. He says, even though they are driven of fierce winds, yet they are turned about with a very small helm wherever the governor or the pilot or the driver desires, wherever the person who is holding the steering mechanism desires for it to turn, regardless of how strong the winds are, regardless of how difficult the situation is, it's going my way because I say so. I've got God's word in my mouth. I'm not just speaking positive confessions. I've got God's word in my mouth. And I, it's going to go the way God said it would go. Hallelujah. It's going to go the way God said it would go. Hold your place here because I'm not done, but I want to take us to look at Isaiah. Remember how God said his word works? God said his word will not return unto him empty. Isaiah 55. He says in verse 11, So shall my word be. So shall my word be. How is his word going to be? Verse 10. As the rain that comes down and the snow from heaven and returns not, but waters the earth and forces it, makes it. It makes, the word will make your life bring forth his, his will. The word of God will make your life produce the will of God. The word, he said, my word is like rain that comes down and makes the earth bring forth and bud. Well, the earth is the heart and the seed is the word. And he said, my word will come down and water what you have been planting in your heart and it will produce it. It will cause the harvest of that thing you've been believing for to come to pass. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. Has he purchased you? Then you're not your own. You're bought with a price. Whose mouth is that you're, you're operating? It's God's mouth, isn't it? By purchase. So God's word... He said, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I please. The word will accomplish the will of God. The will of God is in the word of God. He said, my word will accomplish my will. Hallelujah. It will accomplish it. The word will produce the will. The word will cause the will to manifest in your life. And then he said, it will prosper. The word prosper means to push forward. To break 
out to come mightily against. Hallelujah. He said, my word will, will push forward against that obstacle, against that hindrance. It will break out against that limitation. It will come mightily against that adversity. It will go over and cause you to prosper. God's word will do that for us. And he said, this is the word that comes forth out of my mouth. I was studying this one day. And as I was studying, I began to see clearly that God wants us to have the same confidence in verse 11 with God's word in our mouth that he has. He wants you to be able to say, so shall God's word in my mouth be. It will not return unto me void. It will accomplish what I send it to accomplish. And it will prosper in the thing whereunto I send it. Because it's God's word and it won't return empty. It's God's word. God's word's doing it. And that's why we've got to, when the situation wants to make you feel overwhelmed, just put the word on it. You're, you're not having to fight. You're just applying the word. We're, the, the fight of faith is not a fight to get faith. It's not a fight of, uh, it's not a wrangling and a, 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 a fight. But pastor taught us it is a fight in which faith is applied. I have the faith and faith is the victory. <laughs> so what kind of fight is it going to be if I'm using victory? If what I have to use in this fight is victory, the same victory that Jesus already used to defeat the devil, so we know it works. This is the faith. This is the faith that overcomes. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Many translations, look it up. Many translations says this is the victory that has overcome the world. God already established in Christ that this faith is already worked to defeat the devil. The devil's defeated already. And what you're fighting with is victory already. So what's your outcome going to be? If what you're using is victory in the fight. And you're already in the position of victory. You're not the contender trying to gain the championship belt. You're already, you walked into the ring, the champion, more than a conqueror, because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. You walked into the adversity already triumphant. Thanks be unto God who always causes me to triumph. You went into it triumphant, and what you're using is already victory. Faith is victory. Victory is faith. Faith is victory. Put the equal sign. They're the same. Faith is the victory. So shall my word be. So shall God's word in my mouth be. It will not return to me empty. When you begin to put confidence in that, God's word will not return to me empty. It will accomplish what I send it to. But I'm sending it. If it's never sent, it's not accomplishing much. You see the saying part? God said, you're believing? I'm waiting to hear it. If you're believing, you're speaking, right? You're believing? That's why God says, you're believing? I'm waiting to hear it. Why? Because it's that transaction release that God can respond to. The word sent accomplishes what we send it to do. The word that goes out of our mouth. So shall my word be that goes out of my mouth. So you've got to get the word out of your mouth for it to be activated. Hallelujah. Let's go back to James chapter 3 because I have one more important element for this this teaching and then we're going to close James chapter 3 verse 5 even so the tongue now even so means just like the bit in the mouth can turn that huge 1500 pound horse and just like the little rudder on the ship can turn that huge ship even so the tongue is little but it can turn some big situations It can turn 
the course of your life, it can turn the direction. Even though it's little, it boasts great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindles. Behold, look at that. Behold, look. Look and, and give your attention how great a matter. Have you ever maybe been to a bonfire and you, you walk out and you say, oh, look at that big bonfire. Maybe it's cold outside and you're, you're wanting to get up and get warm at the fire and you're, oh, this is beautiful. Look at this great big fire. How'd that fire get started? Somebody had to get a little kindling. And they had to come over. And nobody's impressed with the kindling. Just like nobody's impressed with the bit or the rudder. People will look at your life and say, Wow. But they didn't see the words that you spoke. Morning and noon and night, the declarations that were coming out of your mouth, you were, you were setting kindling to the fire every time you made that declaration, every time you said, look at the corn, glory to God, every time you made that declaration, that's, I'm the head, not the tail, I'm enough and not beneath, I'm always going over. And they're like, what you say? I'm, I'm kindling, I'm just, I'm just sparking the kindling right now. But that kindling is necessary to start a fire. You can't start one big fire not unless you have a big fire hose, you know, you know, with, you know, some kind of a weapon or something. No, to, generally to start the fire, you've got to just get a little bit, a match, a little bit of paper, some of those little twigs, you know, and you start the kindling and then you put it around the wood and your intent is to get the whole wood to, to burn. Your intent is to start that big fire, but you've got to be skilled with the kindling. And just like... The bit in the mouth of the horse is not impressive, but it can do impressive things. And the rudder on the ship is not nearly as large as the ship itself, but it can move that great big ship. Even despite the winds, the rudder is what determines the direction. Despite what your situation is right now, this is what's determining the direction and the outcome of your situation. What you have in your mouth, what I have in my mouth is the kindling that is lighting the fire and one day we'll see the results and somebody will say, look how great their faith is, but if we were wise, we would take them back and show them the kindling that we used. Pastor Steele and I, when, when we came out of debt, it was not glorious in the process. And I would say the main kindling that I used was Psalm 68 that says, He bringeth out those were, that were bound with chains. That was the main one that God took me back to and that I had posted, you know, and I had it in my journal. He brings out those which are bound by chains. That was my kindling for my fire that one day produced the debt freedom. Amen. Amen? There's a kindling that will produce the fire you need, the outcome you need, the desired result. But you're not going to get the desired result without starting the fire, the kindling, that declaration. Amen? One thing that would be a uh, corresponding truth to this would be in Mark chapter 4. Second closing, I get three, right? <laughs> but this is such a companion to that, that teaching that I, I have to share it with you. Mark 4, 31, and I'm going to read it from the Amplified. They can put the Amplified on the screen for you. And Jesus is teaching us about the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, The kingdom of God is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown upon the ground is the smallest of all. Now that's what James said about the tongue. It's a little member. It's small. The bit is small. The rudder is small in comparison to the ship. And the seed, the word seed even, can be seemingly insignificant in comparison to what you're facing. You're going to say, 
How is me saying I'm the head and not the tail going to change this debt in my life? How is me saying he brings me out who are bound by chains going to help me pay off all this student loan and pay off all of this debt, that medical debt or whatever it may be? How is that going to help me? Well, how does that little match start a great big fire? He says, the grain of mustard seed is the smallest of all, yet after it is sown, after it's spoken. Because remember, in the previous verses, he identified the seed is the word and the heart is the ground. And all of them who got the word in their heart heard it. So it had to be the sower spoke the word and they all the ground heard the word. So you don't have to wait for me to preach it to you for you to hear it. You can speak it and hear it yourself and sow it directly into your heart. And he said the seed of the word, even if it's the smallest of all, after it is sown, after it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all garden herbs and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air are able to make nests and dwell in its shade. The little tiny, have you ever seen how small a mustard seed is? I know, especially when you're dealing with something that is so heavy of a situation, financial situation, physical situation. I know what it's like to feel like, how is this helping me? Your flesh wants to do something that you can feel. Your flesh wants to do something that, that just will give you some release. That's why you have to trust that the Word of God is greater. God's Word is established. It is truth and it is established forever in heaven. And if I take His Word and I put it in my heart and I bring it out of my mouth, it will not return empty. I'm not just sitting here making useless noises. I'm establishing something. I'm arranging something. I'm setting something in order. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm resisting the direction that that circumstance is trying to take me. And I'm resisting it in the same way Jesus said, it is written. It is written. He has given us his word for that purpose. Aren't you thankful tonight? Stand up with me to your feet. Lift your hands.